Hi, I'm Stacey Schumacher-Rowan, Editor-in-Chief of Hospitality Design Magazine with HD's What I've Learned podcast. On today's episode, I talked to Robin Staten of Tiny Urban Escapes. Robin started her career in higher education, but pivoted to hospitality in 2018 when she wanted to do something that contributed more significantly to the world. Enter Tiny Urban Escapes. Launching in her native Indianapolis, Robin repurposes shipping containers into idyllic getaways that act as a welcome respite from city life. The concept, novel at the time, has become coveted during COVID-19 as people look to take a break from the stress and chaos of the past year. As a Black woman hotelier, Robin says her mission goes beyond providing authentic hospitality experiences, but to encourage more people who look like her to find success in the industry. It's part of what she calls triage hospitality, which is an integral part of her mission to create spaces that benefit and give purpose to diverse communities around the U.S. Hi, I'm here with Robin. Robin, thanks so much for joining us today. It's so good to see you. Thank you for having me, Stacey. Thank you. So we always start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? I grew up on the west side of Indianapolis, Indiana, um, with uh, five siblings, a single mom, although my dad was very visible in my life, uh, my grandmother, and three uncles, actually, uh, in one household. So, oh my lord. <laughs> yes. Yeah, a party uh, every day. So, <laughs> where were you in the in the five? I am I am a middle of six, so six in all, and I am a middle child. Um, according to my mom, one of her most independent, which makes uh, perfect sense that I would venture out and attempt to own an independent boutique hotel. So, <laughs> I guess uh, all things in divine order, huh? <laughs> All makes sense. All makes sense. Um, and did you always have a love of hospitality or design or from a young age or? Uh, really interesting. Um, so my family, although I was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, I had my family's from the South and I always talk about Southern people and their natural, um, you know, ability to embody like hospitality, you know, it's, I think it's just in their nature, they're warm and they're, they're welcoming and how that translates over into the hospitality industry. Um, so I would say yes, informally, um, but uh, no, um, none of my family members are owners of hotels at all. They actually uh, come from a construction uh, family um, that owns construction companies um, and that's now gotten off into various uh, entities, but uh, informally, yes. And uh, as far as design, um, I've always considered myself to be personally fashionable. I always tell everyone about fourth grade, my mom went to the Goodwill and bought me this faux fur coat that I wore that my sister completely uh, despised and hated me for wearing it to elementary school. But um, I loved it. And I think early on, it was maybe a testament <laughs> of what later would come down the line. I can't imagine a fifth grader strolling around in a uh, fold me coat. So, but it was me. And um, I think it's just part of my personality that, yeah, so um, all things informally. <laughs> How would you describe your style now? Is it still as eclectic and fun? And Oh, absolutely. And you know what, funny, I actually wanted initially to be a biomedical engineer. So <laughs> completely different. 
I was in an engineering program up until about middle school or so. And so hospitality is completely opposite of what I thought, um, like many of us, our career or goal aspirations would be. Um, but yes, I would say that um, it, everything that I do right now, um, as far as tiny urban escapes and hospitality, is probably in direct response to um, myself and, and being very um, eclectic and uh, just um, a lover of fashion and design. And um, I am noted for the aunt that has the house with um, that no one can touch the. <laughs> And I just hosted Easter and I was a nervous wreck. So <laughs> I have three children. So for me, I'd be like, get out. Like, no. <laughs> and I have three. They're all in college. Though. So, um, but, you know, at one time they were babies. And, but I've pretty much always been uh, who I am today. I would like to say a more evolved individual, but I've, I stay pretty true to who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You have twins, don't you? I do. I have uh, twin boys who are crazy. They just turned 22, uh, March 24th, and uh, they're at a university here in Indiana. And then I have a 20-year-old daughter that uh, I just went on my first girls trip with that I won't do again until she's about 25. (laughs) So we went to Vegas. (laughs) Yeah, not until she's 25. I took uh, my sister and my mom accompanied and her best friend and a few of my nieces and it was too much. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, not doing that again. I have twin boys too. They're only six. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Well, lucky you. I consider it a blessing. So (laughs) they are, they're tons of fun. So, okay. You wanted to have this other idea of what you wanted to be. Yeah. Did you go to school for that? Did you, when did you kind of pivot and figure out that, you know, maybe hospitality or was it something before hospitality? Uh, so, yeah. So um, all of my professional career um, has been in actually higher education. Um, I worked for one of the largest, if not the largest university um, in the state of Indiana. And um, I started working on campus as an undergraduate student and actually worked my way up t- into professional roles. Um, and had wonderful and great mentorship while there. Um, and I just recall thinking um, that there was something more significant that I should be contributing to the world. I had no idea what it was. Um, I had been um, very comfortable in higher education. Um, it was the only uh, career um, path that I had known up until I decided to leave, which I was about 30 six at the time or so. I'm now 40. So yeah, yeah, actually about 36 years old. Um, Just one day decided there's something a little bit more significant. I had been like everybody else, completely obsessed with all things HGTV um, and got into kind of researching tiny homes and honestly just said, you know what, I think this would be pretty cool um, to have a few of these uh, very kind of Airbnb-ish type of concept and and rent them out. And then um, I think as I began to research and fall more in love with hospitality, and I think it's true purpose and contributions to communities around the globe, I fell in love with, or I think I found my highest calling, which uh, is to be a hotel owner myself. So um, I would say um, it was a very unorthodox transition to just take the leap out there. Um, but I believe in following my gut and I, it, it's proven to be right so far. So, yeah. 
So what year did you end up launching Tiny Urban Escapes? And, you know, how, how did you get there? Like, it's, it's easy sure. to have an idea. It's the hardest thing to you know, <laughs> act on and actually make it a reality. So how did you get from that idea to that reality? Yeah, so um, really with a lot of uncertainty, um, a lot of unfamiliarity in the world of hospitality. So upon officially exiting and not formally because I still have my attachments to higher education, um, but I decided um, that if I was going to go into hospitality, I need to know everything about hospitality. So I thought that I was going to go and shadow a few of the um hotel managers in downtown Indianapolis, which we have a, a good mix of great brands um, in downtown. And we're a convention city, so there's a significant presence of hotels there. I ended up uh, walking into a 374-room uh, bed hotel and was offered the, um, let me get the exact position, assistant controller position. <laughs> uh, so uh, no formal interview <laughs> or anything. Um, so again, I think <laughs> just go for it. I mean, yeah, when I say truly unorthodox that like, I just should wear the crown for it, I think, <laughs> but, um, so not only did they have, uh, 374 keys, um, they had two restaurants that included a bar and they had a Starbucks in there. And so, um, being assistant controller, uh, at a pretty large, significant hotel in downtown Indianapolis. Um, unfamiliar with even hotel terminology and uh, food and beverage, beverage and FFE and all of those things and what it meant. Um, I like to call it baptism by fire. So I think that um, it was the best move I could have made um, by taking the leap and honestly believing in my gut feeling and believing in myself um, by just walking into those hotels. And I walked out with a job and I stayed on site there for a year. Um, to soak in. And actually, they um, are a Starwood Marriott brand. So I got all of the good training <laughs> um, that I thought that I need. I paid attention in every meeting and, you know, every department from sales to, you know, customer service from front desk. Um, and so I stayed, but like I said, for about a year. Um, but prior to, well, while going through that process, actually, I began to research the conversion of shipping containers. And I ran across a wonderful Canadian company called Glass House that converted shipping containers and they used um, all of this glass and they didn't do the conversion into hospitality suites. They were just experts in the conversion of containers. And um, I think they specialize in windows and doors and all of those things. And so I just said, I think this is it. I think that I convert these, can convert these containers into amazing spaces. And so I actually began to pitch the idea around Indianapolis um, at some speakeasy events um, with all of the butterflies and nervousness <laughs> and not knowing um, half of what I was saying. I just went for it, uh, got on stage one morning, pitched the idea, um, and probably within a few months of pitching, I was connected to... Um, some local movers and shakers here in Indianapolis, uh, Visit Indy, which is our local uh, tourism, um, I don't want to say department, but bureau. And um, I would say that was about, I don't know, September through December or so of 20, 2017. 
um, by January of 2018, I actually got up one morning and my phone was exploding and I was featured, our tiny urban escapes was featured in the New York Times. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, that was my uh, first confirmation that I was on to something, number one, and that I was on the right track and I made the right move. Uh, following what I uh, now know to be kind of my ultimate dream, uh, dream uh, goal or, or, or life ambition. So, um, yeah. I love it. Okay, wait, back up. Why did you start sure. researching uh, shipping containers? Was that... So, <laughs> just I actually yeah. just happened to come across. So in, so when you look at a micro or, or small spaces, um, so you get one or two things. You get the traditional tiny homes, um, that I actually took kind of a, a brief tour of uh, the South in Nashville, where I knew some were close and uh, looked into the traditional tiny homes and just didn't feel like it was the design for tiny urban escapes. So while doing, doing, uh, doing, a, lot, doing a lot of research, um, I came across shipping containers. So I just stumbled upon <laughs> containers, not looking for them never um, actually seeing them used for the purpose of hospitality at all. Um, and once I ran across, as I mentioned, a glass house that just converted these steel black boxes um, and utilized the glass so intimately, I began to, and I'm a true Gemini, so my mind is racing of what these, um, these, these uh, I like to call them these architectural structures, honestly, would look like. Um, in wooded or serene urban spaces and how I could create a hospitality brand from that. So um, it sounds all over the place because it kind of was. It actually really still is, but um, that that's what it is. <laughs> that's amazing. And then when you were featured in the New York Times, had you already opened or was it just no, the concept, right? Like just it was, the concept. Yeah. I didn't even have a website up. So uh, the New York Times Magazine, art, uh, the New York Times article hit. And uh, my phone was blowing up and I was just like, what is, what in the world is going on? So I Googled myself and <laughs> that's actually how I found out. And I was just like, holy, like <laughs> the New York Times. And I was like, I think I need a website, if not just a landing page. And so I received an email from a gentleman that said, hey, <laughs> you're in the New York Times. What in the world are you doing without having a website? Like you are losing out on all of this publicity or whatever. So, you know what? I said, thank you very much. Um, the first week that we open, you're going to be our first guest. And all I'm asking in return is your honest feedback on your stay here. Amazing. And so he was like, great. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So constructive criticism is, can be good. <laughs> it's how it's perceived. <laughs> And I love it. So when, okay, so you got in the New York Times, you pitched yeah. my, you know, the idea, people loved it. Obviously yeah. you're onto something. Now what? Uh, so then there comes the hard work, right? So I think that I definitely put the cart before the horse, you know? So I was completely uh, ill-prepared, you know, I, and with regards to funding, with regards to site location and all of these things. And so I began to go to work um, and that looked like many different things. And so um, being, um, um, I would like, 
and just unfamiliar. I would at this point I had become familiar with hospitality, with working um, for a hotel entity downtown Indianapolis, but not on the ownership side and not on the development side. And I had no idea what all of those things meant. And so I knew that I wanted to produce the product. And so I decided, um, actually, after speaking to my husband, <laughs> to self-finance the first suite. And so I pulled a team together um, that specialized in the conversion of shipping containers out of Detroit, Michigan, um, because at the time, there was not a lot of use of the conversion of shipping containers, even with regards to building codes and zoning and all of those things in Indianapolis, Indiana. And so um, I stumbled upon a group um, called Three Squared out of uh, Detroit, Michigan, actually, and uh, drove up to Detroit, um, worked with them to create. Um, I basically gave them the blueprint of exactly what I wanted to create. And they took that um, after I had like some renderings done and everything. Um, and they did all of the architectural drawings and everything for me, for me to um, work with contractors to build out. And now we're running through now about two years of, of time of working through this process um, and what it looked like for myself. And also at the same time, I'm a, a mom of three. My kids are heading off to college. They're graduating high school. So my life is uh, so chaotic, which pushed me even harder to create a brand that is in direct response, I think, to the chaos I was experiencing in my own home life and needing to escape. And so, um, let me think want me parked outside of my apartment <laughs> in Brooklyn. <laughs> so, if anyone's looking for me, I'm just yeah. a little tiny urban escape. That, yeah, that's that's <laughs> the that's the idea and the goal to just be able to say I'm out of here, but I'm only going around the corner. <laughs> so, um, but right in, uh, so approaching my 40th birthday is when I actually, which was, gosh, I'll be 41 this year. Um, so last year during the pandemic, actually, uh, on my 40th birthday, I did a formal sip and see with the official launch of the first suite, uh, for tiny urban escapes. And it was <laughs> amazing um, challenging at the same time. I think it's met with a lot of fear, um, imposter syndrome, you know, that we talk about so much. Um, but I was able to pull it off. It's amazing. And when you gave, um, the company in Detroit, what you wanted it to be, what did you want it to be? You know, what was the look and the feel inside? Um, and how, you know, in tiny spaces, it can be yeah. great, but it can also feel tiny. So how did you also want to make it feel like a space where people could spend time in and, you know, sure. and feel comfortable? Sure. And I am the first to admit, like, I'm claustrophobic. Don't put me in a small <laughs> space at all. <laughs> it won't go over well. And so I definitely went to them with a design and a plan to say, listen, I want to make certain that this is a space that brings the outside in. Um, that these are micro spaces, but they don't feel micro at all, that they feel as big as one's imagination, you know, and how do we create this space? Like, what does it look like? And also, um, how do I make it as individual and um, reflective of um, not only, I think, myself, uh, you know, like I said, the mini me running around <laughs> with a, a fake meat coat on in fifth grade, but how do I 
um, make this a space that inspires individuals that um, when they come here, they can be as creative as they would like to be or a space at the same time that it promotes rest and balance. And so um, in doing so, merging the glass, um, so uh, all of the suites are semi-glass. Um, and that allows for a lot of natural light to flow in. It makes the space seem much larger than what it actually is. Um, and because we have three panel kind of sliding doors, it also allows to bring the outside in. And so I think that I was very uh, particular about ensuring that the space, although it is micro in size, um, it didn't feel that way. And so I was able, honestly, to kind of just take that description to them and they were actually on paper able to bring it to light. Now, the interior design piece of that is a whole nother level of, of bringing in um, some fabulous, wonderful ladies <laughs> out of Chicago, Illinois, um, Siren Betty, my interior designers for this week to take it to a completely different level and really make it the boutique um, hotel experience that it is today. Tell us a little bit about it for us that can't see it because it's a podcast. Yes, yeah. sure. Us, paint us a picture if you would. So I'll paint you a picture. So um, if, if, if I was to walk into Tiny Urban Escapes right now, uh, this suite I like to refer to now as the Blossom Suite. And so uh, their principal designer is Siren Betty and their entire team, the co their principal designer. Um, I was initially uh, not... Actually, I will say I was very receptive. I am a very, this isn't my area of expertise. Please take the reins and um, I'll let you know what I think of it from there. Um, but designed a beautiful space that has an incredible wall mural that um, it, it looks like a, honestly, a floral arrangement of, of, of just a bouquet of, of uh, flowers Um and emerald green, rich colors and uh, velour furniture, velvet and all of the gold metals with the fixtures and um, all of that reflecting off of the glass and, and like these uh, panels of color and light blending in together is what makes it this really interesting and unique space. And it's very calming. It could be um, somewhat to me um overwhelming but I think it's the initial shock of oh my gosh this is a sh shipping container once you because I left the exterior very true uh, to the traditional shipping containers outside of um, painting the exterior black um, but when you walk up and you enter into this space and it's completely um, a dream and something unexpected and with its mini kitchen and its spa inspired bathrooms it's it, um, it's just an element of surprise that's very unexpected that you traditionally would not find in the Midwest and you definitely would not find um, in an urban setting kind of in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and how did you find Siren Betty? Did you know them beforehand or did no, somebody? Um, I did not. Believe it or not, I have made the most amazing connections um, just throughout my journey. Um, and I believe it may have been one of my features in hospitality design that they said, oh my gosh, who is this girl? We need to meet her. And when I met Nicole, I was like, oh my gosh. I think I remember going to their website and saying like, 
this is a whole team of women. Like, I love this. And they're, um, I remember their, um, and I've known them for a few years now, their photo on their website, they all had on all black. It was so empowering. They were so beautiful. Um, and they are, you know, some had tattoos and some did not. And I was just like, I love this because I have tattoos. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the simple things for me. But um, I just remember doing my research and saying, like, I have to meet these ladies. I have to meet this team. And Nicole was gracious enough to make the trip down from Chicago, um, equally as excited to meet uh, myself and to learn all about Tiny Urban Escapes. And this was a year and a half prior to actually um, contracting them and with them and bringing them on board. And just basically, you know, at that time, talking to them about the concept of Tiny Urban Escapes and what I wanted to be. So when I was ready um, with the, you know, with, again, my own personal funding, I went right back to them and said, I'm ready to do this. And, and, and they did. They delivered. That's amazing. And I love... Um... We love when people find kindred spirits, right? Yes. That you know, that's kind of meant to be. And just for all those listeners, I did not pay her to say that is her hospitality <laughs> design magazine, but I love it and I'll take it. No, you'd be surprised. <laughs> Actually, that is not the only connection that um, has occurred from a, a feature of either myself or Tiny Urban Escape. So I, I love it. <laughs> I love it too. So not to pry too much, but funding isn't easy. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> so, Not you know, when you decided Not to at all. personally, I mean, were you out there trying to find investors as well? Or did you, you know, really just, this was yours, you were doing it, you know, and you raised capital a different way? Sure. No, I'm an open book. Um, honestly, initially, I didn't approach um, investors. I didn't look at traditional funding. I wasn't even familiar with what that would look like, right? I just knew that I had something that I needed to produce for myself first. And I think sometimes um, it's challenging to be, we know it's challenging to be female in hospitality. Um, It's challenging to be um, unrelated to hospitality, coming from a completely different professional background um, and be taken seriously. And I knew that if the concept itself was New York Times worthy, um, that it was equally as important for me to finish out the task myself by um, having complete and sole control over at least the first build. So it was really important for me to self-finance. And now that we are absolutely looking to scale and grow. And I have three children in college. Yes, we have to look at more traditional uh, ways of funding um, tiny urban escapes. But um, yeah, even after the build, um, beginning that process of looking into financing um, and a capital stack and all of these things and what it, 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 it's still a challenging road for, I'm imagining many hotel hoteliers, not to mention those who are independent, um, not related to any of the mega brands, I should say, um, or global brands, um, and just are out here really bringing to life something new and innovative um, that you believe in, and then getting everyone else on board to believe in your product. No, for sure. Okay, so a couple questions off of that. So you have an all-women team as well, like Siren Betty, right? Yes. Why was that important to you or did it just happen organically? Oh, no, it's strategic. 
I, it's funny. I, I have, um, three brothers, uh, three uncles. I was always raised around, uh, very strong, dominant men. Um, but I was equally, um, around and surrounded by very strong, dominant women, uh, women who were very assertive, who always had a sense of self. Um, my mother, especially my grandmother always knew exactly who they were. You know, I remember my mom always saying, sit up straight, look everybody in the eye, you know, and everything. And so, um, that, and then wanting to give women an opportunity to grow in their own space. I knew that when I was building out, uh, the brand of tiny urban escapes that I wanted it to be flexible or fluid. I didn't want it to be or I would say, uh, like I've said before, you know, very non-traditional, very unorthodox. And you don't see a lot, uh, a complete team of females. And you definitely don't see um, that that it's reflective of who you are in your community. So diversity wise. Um, so it was incredibly important to me um, to bring along women that I knew would um, add value to the brand, number one. Um, but that they would find um, their own individual journey while coming alongside myself and Tiny Urban Escape. So I'm very strategic in my partnership. Um, not that we exclude men, we welcome all. <laughs> um, but I do believe um, in attempting to create a world of equity if I could be a part of in some tiny way. And now for the location in Indianapolis. So is it just one suite, you know, what's the, what are the grounds look like? And is the idea moving forward to just be a suite in one location or is the idea maybe to grow, to have multiple with some communal living, you know, now that you have one done, (laughs) what's kind of the evolution or what are you thinking about? Absolutely. So, um, so location wise, I am very strategic to uh, finding areas that are in the intersection of um, redeveloping. And so where Tiny Urban Escape's um, home site is, there's a lot of, um, there's, there's a lot of development, developing and redeveloping and gentrification going on. So there's a mix of diverse individuals. So I believe in hospitality and especially Tiny Urban Escapes as a brand, brand being more of a, a wellness um, amenity to communities. I like, I've referred to it as triage hospitality. Um, and I, I strategically select locations that a diverse group of um, socioeconomic individuals can benefit from. And so, yes, um, we will grow this particular site to have four suites there. I always want to maintain a very intimate, um, and when I say exclusive, um, not excluding anyone, but that the space is designed to be kind of a safe haven uh, for individuals. And so I don't think that as we begin to scale, any one site would ever have more than 10 to 15 suites at um, each location. But yes, our current site, um, Siren Betty has designed uh, five additional beautiful suites um, that we will begin to finish out this summer um, that will go online and available for um, individuals to rent. And I'm so excited about that as well. And they're all individually themed. Um, I sat down with Siren Betty and thought about the individual person who may be able to find this space um, 
beneficial to them in their life. So we have one that is referenced as the bold um, that I feel like I draw more closely to. Uh, one is the free-spirited individual, um, which means that individual that marches to their own beat, you know, that kind of follows their own drum. They've never followed the crowd. Um, and then one particularly designed that has more masculine appeal. Again, we don't ever want to exclude the men. Um, and so they've done an amazing job bringing my vision to light. Um, and then that particular space is enclosed. Um, we're, again, very um, intentional about design, even with regards to landscaping. It's enclosed um, with um, um, greenage and, and foliage and all of these things to, to, to really create an urban oasis amongst the city. It, it's honestly um, in an area that um, we have a Monon Trail that actually starts in the center of downtown Indianapolis and runs all the way north. So you'll find moms with strollers, bikers, skateboarders. Um, it's also very in very close proximity to an area that's been completely redeveloped that has um, now entrepreneur space available for pop-up shops. Um, it's very close to Mass Ave, which is considered our arts district here. So um, again, I'm very strategic about location, um, accessibility for all individuals and making certain that um, tiny urban escapes are almost like hubs. Um, infused hidden gems in these areas um, that can benefit the masses of individuals. Do you have any other cities on your hit list? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a Midwest girl <laughs> in Indianapolis, and I think that there are so many second tier cities very similar to an Indianapolis that can benefit from a, a tiny urban escape, like Memphis, for instance. Um, we're about two hours away from Ohio. Um, from uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, so definitely um, populating and scaling within the Midwest and then expanding outwards. But absolutely um, looking at second tier markets that, again, you wouldn't traditionally find an urban oasis. You'd have to pack your bag and maybe go to Bali or something like that to get, you know, something somewhat similar. Um, but um, absolutely, we definitely plan to hit um, those areas, even going a little bit further south into Atlanta as well. And I love this idea of triage hospitality. How has this last year even made that more meaningful or even evolved that or your idea of what that means even further? Yeah. So um, last year, I think, was challenging for everyone. So not only were we thrust in a global pandemic, um, you know, we saw all types of unrest, whether it's political unrest to some and, um, you know, the killing of unarmed black men. And you couple that with everyday life and um, injustices that happen across the country. And it can just be too much. You know, it can be incredibly overwhelming. And so for some communities, even the African-American community, it, it is um, I don't want, it, it is extremely, incredibly challenging, um, to get up daily and see the same reoccurring, um, tragedies, you know, and you think of, um, how you can benefit not only your community, um, but how do you create a space, um, that speaks to the era that we're in right now? Um, and the calm that is needed 
and the peace that is needed for so many people um, and the space to decompress and to step back from all of this chaos, if at all possible. Um, so I think the last year was incredibly trying, but out of that, I think I was able to stretch myself as a um, buddy hotelier and actually to, to grow the product as well and really narrow down um, its significance and what I wanted our mission and our values to be. So when I say triage hospitality, triage by definition is prioritizing the, the urgency of care or the degree of care. And so I think self-care is so significant. And, you know, when we think of self-care and it's just taking, sometimes I need like five minutes, like we put our toddlers in time out just to recollect myself. And I think that um, if we take that as a, um, as a must have, you know, for ourselves and, and we can kind of go and reset, um, it has to spark, or I would hope that it would spark um, time that individuals can go and reflect and then they come back renewed or anew. And so how they approach other individuals in their life and how you interact with other individuals in their life can be changed by having a designated space to check out, to do some self-evaluation and self-reevaluation. And so Tiny Urban Escapes for me became um, bigger than uh, what I would have ever imagined it to be. Um, as far as theoretically where I'd like for it to go and what I hope that it means to the community at large. And um, even, um, like I said, with, with so much going on last year, um, and I think everybody was over everything. Um, and taking from that um, and all of that, uh, just all of that chaos and saying, how do you even work through that? And um, how do you continue to push forward? And you do that, at least I did that, by um, identifying and owning in on something that was not a product, but a necessity. Just amazing. I mean, it, uh, just the new type of wellness, right? That new yeah. type of, you know, being and, you know, um, and you offering something that um, people need so, so much. So we need to make more of them. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, also to just the idea of you, there's not, you know, there's not many black hoteliers, right? You know, there, there's not enough. There should, you know, should be more. And so you as a female black hotelier, I, I, what do you think that means? I mean, for the industry, I think that yeah. means so much. And for others to see you, to see what you're doing, to see your perseverance, your innovation, your changing of jobs, changing of careers. I mean, just what you've done already, you know, it could be in inspiration or um, just a nugget for someone, you know, thinking yeah. about an idea or hospitality. Yeah. So interesting. You never know. I think I did not imagine um ever being thrust, you know, at the forefront, um, if I am there uh, and I don't even, I'm not even halfway there yet. Um, I think sometimes I, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm starting now, but, but I say that and also say that, um, even I have to give myself credit, um, for the courageousness to be black female 
daring, um, you know, with the audacity to enter into a world believing you can rival brands that have been around for generations and even um, innovative enough to say, you know what, I, I, I think that I'm capable. And then moving to a place that says, I know that I'm more than capable. Um, and not only in that, how do I make certain that um, I give access to opportunity to um, anyone that not only looks like me, um, but also beyond that, women in general, um, some young girl somewhere, um, even if it's not hospitality, but just the, um, it, it takes a lot of courage. <laughs> and I, I um, accredit everything to um, how I was raised, you know, the environment I was raised in um, and how I grew up being raised by a single mom. Um, but again, I always have to give credit to my dad. They, you know, as he was always there, my father was actually murdered. Um, uh, yeah, so it's, it's crazy. And if that is a, a testament to the environment I grew up in, having to be resilient, um, having to have those life tragedies be so even seeing the Dante Wrights and the George Floyds and all of these things um, occurring that should not be um, natural or normal um, are in some communities um, and definitely in the African-American community. So it creates a different type of beast. Um, and it, it has created one that in myself that I dared enough <laughs> to believe that I could could, could pull off a hospitality brand that I will make uh, a global powerhouse. I love it. How old were you? Do you mind me asking when your father uh, sure. was murdered? Uh, he was murdered 10 days after my high school graduation. So uh, he, he made it to my high school graduation. Um, he was all jazzed up, very handsome man. And about 10 days later in the summer of 98, um, uh, he was put in a double homicide. And actually about a street over from where I was sleeping and I woke up to the news that uh, my father had been murdered. Um, but we had a uh, very uh, beautiful relationship um, with him. And so I truly believe in giving a person their flowers while they're here. He believed in that as well. And so um, my time with him um, was you know, very impactful. And I still feel like uh, he just kind of strolls alongside me, um, encouraging me. And I think he would be very proud. Oh, 100%. How do you, at that age, pick yourself up? I mean, what got you through it? Was your family or? Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I think, uh, so family is very important. Uh, I come from a very close family. I oftentimes say we're too close because we're always in each other's business. <laughs> We speak for each other. Oh, gosh, even we speak on behalf of like the, if there's spousal stuff going on and everything. So, um, But I, yeah, so we come from a very uh, strong, close-knit family. Um, you know, I remember my grandmother always saying there's only one thing certain in this life and that's death. And um, if, uh, again, if those are things that you've seen most of your life, um, even before reaching the, the age of adulthood, um, you can become somewhat numb to those things, but I don't ever want to be numb. So I, I basically took that tragedy 
um, and make certain that I contribute in significant ways to the neighborhood and the community that I grew up in. I make certain that um, in most of my conversations, I always reference the area that I grew up in, letting some girl know that you can come from that space and thrive, that there can be something beautiful on the other side of that, and that it actually builds, it can build, it's unfortunate, but it can build a very resilient, strong individual. And again, one uh, daring enough to believe that, to, to honestly believe in, in, in myself. Amazing. You're just an inspiration. Um, where do you find inspiration now? You know, what, what do you look at? Um, how are you constantly finding new ideas or just, you know, especially through the pandemic, which as sure. we know was tough to begin with. Yeah. Um, but where do you find, find new and exciting things or inspiration to keep you going? So I try to be, you know, as authentic. And I, and it's funny, I, I now like ping that word sometimes because, you know, some people say authentic and I'm like, it's not authentic. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, that's as, as fabricated as it can be. But um, I find inspiration, honestly, um, especially with regards to the brand, you know, um, I have always been a person of significant re- reflection. I, I believe in, in reflecting on life. I think it was necessary for me to be able to get to a space um, mentally, um, you know, considering uh, my life's um, narrative or experience, that I find um, the small and simple things in life to be the most beautiful. Um, you know, I worked very hard um, in my early years. I married young. I had my children at 19 and I woke up one day and everybody's in college and I'm an empty nester and I'm only 40. And it doesn't even make sense to me sometimes. <laughs> And, um, but, um, I think having this very, um, again, unorthodox life has allowed me to have these pockets of, um, I guess I I would call it like spontaneous bouts of, of innovation that, um, I can look at, I don't know, I can you know, travel home to Tennessee and, and, and find inspiration by passing by the cotton fields and remembering that, you know, I'm only a generation away from sharecroppers and how hard they must have worked. And so that then pushes me to say, all right, I'm going to work even harder. And what does that look like for me? Um, and what does that look like for tiny urban escapes? But not only for tiny urban escapes, how does that benefit somebody else? And what does that look like? And so I'm always thinking, and I think my mother will attest to this. I've always been her child out of the six that have has always thought of everyone else. I remember, you know, not asking for things because the other children would ask for things. And I knew that my mother had six children. So she was always sneaking me little things. <laughs> and so I like to believe that um, tiny urban escapes is the same little thing used to speak to me, you know, that, that, that little personal thing that belongs to, to that person and theirs. And so I just find inspiration and motivation um, in believing that um, I can give um, a necessity, an asset to someone that hopefully could be day changing, month changing, or life changing. That's amazing. What have you loved most about this process, about diving into hospitality, about creating these spaces? Is it the design? Is it the 
development aspect? Is it the fact that you just opened? I mean, like, is yeah, it, yeah. You know, what, what's been the best part of the process? You know what? I think what's been the best is representation. Um, I think it's been the most amazing thing to um, not only female, but African-American female to see representation. Um, and so if you're unfamiliar with the road of hospitality, which our numbers speak for itself, if, if we're at less than 1%, um, it's, it's like a, a kid on Christmas, you know, to see, um, the growing slowly, but growing, um, efforts of individuals that, um, look like me, that even that do not look like me, that embrace, um, myself as again, um, African-American female, completely unrelated to hospitality as well. So that has been, um, kind of the greatest joy. Um, and then knowing that um, there is, you know, there, there, again, there's multiple universities across the country that have hospitality programs. And, um, you know, when you think of young girls or females in hospitality, um, the rankings, you know, and they're, you know, that whether they're starting housekeeping a front desk or what that looks like. And so to be able to create a brand, I, one day I was just like, oh gosh, I'm a developer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so having these surprise moments myself, um, but also I would say um, the, the amazing partnerships um, that I've been able to garner um, from uh, just working on and, and, and running through this journey called Tiny Urban Escapes and um, also just being able to contribute back at a, at a much larger scale than I could have ever imagined um, to, by creating a space. Um, of benefit and purpose to uh, community. Is there anything that you've taken from your higher education career um, and brought it over to here, a lesson learned, you know, something from that? Um, and you're still in the space in yeah. a way, correct? Yeah, still in the space. Um, and so, yeah, all things, honestly. So you think about higher education and I work for one of the largest, again, um, urban institutions in downtown Indianapolis. They have about 30,000 students. Um, gosh, maybe four, three large campuses, several satellite campuses. Um, and I started in undergraduate admissions. And so that in essence is welcoming individuals into the university and then retaining those individuals. So when you think of hospitality in a form of welcoming your guests and loyalty, how do you get them to come back and stay and be a uh, repeat guest at your site? And then moving on to, um, as I began to work my way up in hospitality, um, moving in a diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so at that time at the university, that division did not exist. And so I was fortunate enough to work on a team of amazing individuals to create out the division of diversity, equity, inclusion. And so when I think of my role in hospitality um, and its impact on diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, it, it to me was almost like a perfect marriage. It just translates right over. And so when you think, um, I, I probably wouldn't imagine when I first began my role in, in higher education, that it would be, you would have a skill set um, and a life experience that would mirror and, and blend right into hospitality, but it definitely is a natural fit. That's awesome. I never thought of it that way. Um, what has been, and maybe this was when you got your 
got your first job in a hotel, but or maybe in a travel or, you know, whatever it may be, even as a as a kid, has there been a memorable experience in a hotel space, something you saw that uh, changed you or inspired you? Yeah, um, you know what? It's interesting because it it wouldn't necessarily be a hotel space, but my family traveled home. We call Tennessee home, um, and my family owns a considerable amount of land there, and they all actually live like in jogging distance <laughs> to each other. So they have multiple homes on this land, and I just remember from the time I was old enough to travel. Um, my family, we did our family reunions there and, um, we get up and get prepared to travel South and, um, everyone knew who was hosting, you know, every family member that was hosting family from the North, from Indianapolis knew to have their homes prepared. And I just left, um, Tennessee, maybe a, a gosh, like a month ago. And my aunt to this day still has, you know, your fresh linen and towels and they're all rolled up and your bed is perfectly made and food is waiting for you. You can smell the country bacon, (laughs) Um, you know, and just the, you know, the feeling of complete relaxation while being there. Um, The carefree days that I still feel, it reminds me of my youth every single time I return home to Tennessee. And so um, it's a it's a um, a required trip for me uh, multiple times a year. And so not that that is a, a particular hotel I've stayed in many, but the most significant um, impact I think that um, that I felt the most comfort and influenced by hospitality was honestly an innate. Um, spirit of hospitality that came from my own family. So, as a newcomer in this space, uh, how have you seen hospitality evolve, or or is there something you wish hospitality would do more of? Or maybe that's why you're doing t- tiny urban escapes. But you know, from your perspective, what should hospitality be doing more of? Yeah, I think that. Um, and all things that, you know, we're always evolving, but I think that there's some tradition that, um, and that, and there's comfort in tradition. And we kind of operate a lot of times if, if, if it's not broken, let's not touch it. And so, um, it's been amazing to see areas of, um, hospitality emerge that are sustainable, that are green, that are eco-friendly that are allowing um, these non-traditional newcomers to have a platform to exist. Um, What I would want to see absolutely hands down is more representation, um, more um, equity across the board when it comes to uh, financing. It is incredibly challenging, not only the actual process of financing, Um, But information sharing, I think that um, this is what a trillion plus dollar industry, there's enough to go around, (laughs) I'm sure. Um, But just, um, I've met some incredible individuals that don't mind sharing information. And I'll tell you, I don't know that I would be where I am today um, if I didn't have access to that information. And so I think that hospitality in itself um, has evolved. Um, It has done so very slowly. I think that we as human beings evolve much quicker and we have to be able to respond to the needs. No one expected a pandemic at all. Um, And I think that changed our lives forever. And even though everybody's rushing to get back outside, 
I think people are taking a second look at their lives and how they're contributing to the world and the people around them. And especially so many people, you know, my heart goes out to, you know, my family, we didn't uh, lose anyone due to COVID, but many people did. And I think that it has challenged us um, to really step back and reflect. And, and we were so busy head down in our homes and just to look up sometimes. And I think that the hospitality world should be at the forefront of responding to those needs of individuals beyond just a room to stay. Honestly, considering the care of individuals and how that can penetrate out into communities and we have less um, chaos going on in the country. So uh, we just need to kind of step up and do our part on a much larger scale than offering um, beds. Totally agree. Do you, what do you think the hospitality industry can do or should do to become more inclusive and diverse and give more opportunities to those that haven't always necessarily had the opportunities? Sure. Um, you know, I think that oftentimes, um, I, it is, it, it's not, it's simple, but it's not simple. I would say put us at the table. Um, and if not, um, be open to individuals who want to create their own table, you know, um, to design programs around um, or initiatives around the support of um, underrepresented populations in hospitality, you know, not only African-Americans, but largely Hispanic um, uh, population that are the source and backbones and frameworks of so many hotels. You know, um, it's important that the people that are, are driving forces be represented at all levels in hospitality. So I think we can be very intentional around um, creating access to opportunities, um, being very particular about creating diversity positions within hospitality, um, because also there, you know, I think that oftentimes um, there's, I love him, Damon Lawrence is amazing, um, tapping into a market that I'm so excited about. But I think, um, you know, African-American dollars are often overlooked. And, um, you know, we contribute so much in so many areas. And so I think that being very intentional, but authentically intentional um, and about, um, again, initiatives, programming, positioning, um, financing, all of those things that you, um, that can easily be done, you know. We always end this podcast with the title of the podcast. So what has been your greatest lesson learned? Uh, so my greatest lesson learned uh, throughout this incredible journey would be um, honestly to not give into my own fears. Um, there has been so many times that I have thought about, um, I wouldn't say necessarily walking away, but pivoting and trying to figure out like, is this, is, is this for me or if this doesn't work out, what's next for me? But this is my next. And so there's always this voice. Um, again, I shared my affirmations are behind me. There's posting bright pink, pink posting notes all over this room um, that I remind myself uh, daily who I am, what I've already contributed. I feel like if I can uh, raise twins, you know, and a daughter and um, starting, you know, as a mom, married mom at 19 and 
push them off to college. Um, and that is my most significant accomplishment. So like, what's, what do I have to fear with uh, trying to, you know, establish a, a hospitality entity that will one day be global? So that has been my biggest lesson learned to shut off the voice in my head sometimes, uh, the negative one. <laughs> that, um, but to also to embrace it as well and say that it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to be fearful because there's so many things that um, just by nature of who I am as an African-American female, I've not had access to. Um, but to challenge myself, to connect myself to those that can help grow me, that will challenge me, um, and to not be fearful of asking questions um, that may sound silly to some, but are very important to me. And so it, it, it's something that it's funny, you know, you teach your kids that. Um, and so they have to sometimes remind me, they send me my uh, text pep talks probably once every few weeks and they call me mom Dukes. <laughs> and so, um, but they just remind me that what I'm doing, um, they're incredibly proud of. And so I think that that has been my greatest learning lessons to um, try to shut down those fears and remind myself exactly who I am and what I came to do. Amazing. And I love that you say that's going to be a global power, global powerhouse because I can't wait to see. Yes, thank so. you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Hospitality Designs, What I've Learned. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find full episodes and transcripts at hospitalitydesign.com.